of Jonah. The book of Jonah. Reminds me of a kid's song, Patch the Pirate. I used to listen to him as a kid. If you don't know who Patch the Pirate is, you missed out. Great kid stories. The song Jonah. The book of Jonah. And if you didn't get an outline in the foyer or on the baptistry, there's a copy in both places of the outline for tonight. And the book of Jonah. And we're going to go to Jonah chapter number 3. We're going to be all over the book of Jonah. And the book of Jonah is a short book. So we won't be here too long tonight. The book of Jonah, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, the book of Jonah. We've been doing our study through the book of the books of the Bible for a while now. And I was glad to hear we're talking about, and this next week we'll talk more about Vacation Bible School and all of that. And we've talked about moving our Awana program to Sunday nights instead of Thursday nights this upcoming fall. And, uh, and William was a little depressed. He wanted, he's like, I'm going to miss not being in church on Sunday nights. I'm like, that made me feel good. And David's like, it's only because he likes the books of the Bible. Not dad's preaching, right, David? But anyway, yeah, don't shake your head yes on that. But I'm glad that William likes the books of the Bible. And so it's a good thing. And it's good for our young people to get to know the word of God as we dive in. Jonah chapter number 3. We're going to look at a whale of a tale tonight. The unbelievable story of the prophet Jonah. Our fifth minor prophet and I think our 32nd book that we've been in so far. And Jonah is unique in the books of the prophets because this book contains no prophecy. It doesn't record any predictions about Israel's future as far as messages the prophet actually preaches, but the message is eight words long. That's Jonah's entire message. And a whole city turns to God on an eight-word message. Some of you are thinking, like, man, pastor, if you could just preach eight words, revival could break out here too. I already said more than eight words, so you're going to get more than that tonight. Jonah chapter number three, and we'll look down at verse number four. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's the message. That's all Jonah said to the people of Nineveh. Let's read it again. Verse number four. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. You see, a lot of the prophets that we read through and the minor prophets, we see that the book is, you think about this, it's about God's message to a people. Tonight, this minor prophet is about a story of God's messenger, Jonah, and the overwhelming, never-ending mercy of God. Jonah is one of only four Old Testament prophets whose ministry was referred to by Jesus Christ. Jonah's experience in the belly of the giant fish foreshadows and points to Jesus Christ. In fact, Christ uses Jonah as a picture of his own death, burial, and resurrection. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 12, As Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Four short chapters packed with amazing truths. And I have entitled this tonight, God's Great Mercy would be my thought for the book of Jonah. Christianity is the story of second chances. And we see that with God in the life of Jonah here, as well as in the life of the Ninevites. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll dive in tonight. Father in heaven, we love you, and we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for the book of Jonah, and for the fact that we can open it tonight and study it and read from it. Bless the few minutes that we have. Pray that you be pleased and glorified. Help us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Look at chapter number 4, verse 1 and 2. Jonah 4, verse 1, 2, you're like, you're going to the end. Aren't you supposed to start at the beginning? We'll get there. Just hold on. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before Natarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. What? Why was Jonah mad? Go back to chapter 3. Look at the end of the chapter there. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Why was Jonah mad? Because God didn't destroy Nineveh. Why did Jonah not want to go when God called him to go? Now, we could look and we could say, well, Jonah was just a bad prophet. He just should have followed God and done what God wanted him to do. God called Jonah to preach to the people of Nineveh. The people of Nineveh were wicked, vile people that Jonah wanted nothing to do with. Do you know what the capital, the, well, Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrians. Let me tell you about Assyria for a minute tonight. Israel was taken captive by Assyria. Israel, men, women, and children were killed at the hands of the Assyrians. And these are the wicked, wretched people that God wants Jonah to go preach to. And Jonah says no. Think about it like this. Let's say a Jew went through the Holocaust. And lived through it. And God told that Jew to go to Germany and to preach the gospel to those Nazis that persecuted them. Same thing right here. This is what this was. So sometimes we'll look at Jonah and be like, look at Jonah. No, this was, this was big stuff. There's a lot bigger stuff than you and I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. 
we look at this passage, and we go back to chapter number 1, we see the fact that the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amnitai, saying, Go, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. When we are disobeying God, we want nothing to do with the things of God or even the presence of God. And by the way, you cannot run from the presence of God. When we disobey, it makes us do stupid things. Could Jonah really get away from God? There is no getting away from God. It will never happen. The Bible tells us he went down to Joppa. Now, you got a picture of a map you can put up. I think, John, you got a picture of it there, too. Now, look at this. He got on a boat at Joppa. Tarshish was 2,500 miles away from Joppa. Nineveh was 550 miles from Joppa. He wanted to get as far away as he could go to get away from where God called him to be. You look at that map, Tarshish is modern-day Spain. The only thing further would have been for Jonah to find America before Christopher Columbus did if he wanted to go any further. That's as far as he could go. He was trying to get away from where God wanted him to be. It's amazing to me where he picked to go. He wasn't just trying to get away. He was trying to get to the edge of the known world at that time. It's a beautiful visual that illustrates that running from God is always a much harder path than living in obedience to his plan and calling upon our lives. We see that Jonah tries to get away. We see a great storm comes. You look at verse number 7 through verse, or verse number um, 4. It says, But the Lord sent a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every one unto his God. And you see it's a little g, so they didn't worship the God of heaven. You see that right there. It says, And cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call on thy God, the God of heaven. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Now these men did not believe in the God of heaven. They worshipped their little gods. But they said, Jonah, if you're God's God, then pray to him to find out what's going on. And look at what it says in verse number 7. And they said, everyone to his fellow, come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell upon Jonah. You could say, cast lots, that's not really something we do today. You know, they drew straws, and Jonah got the short straw. Jonah was the problem. And they said unto him, tell us, we pray thee. For who caused this evil is upon us? 
What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people are thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he told them. And they said unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea might be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. Jonah says, The Lord, I fear the Lord God of heaven. He created everything, including this ocean, the sea. They're like, Then why in the world are you not doing what he told you to do? He has the power to control this, and you're doing what he tells you. Even the heathen knew that it was wrong for Jonah to be doing what Jonah was doing. We see that they throw him overboard, and, they, and he said unto them, Take me up and cast me into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not unto us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. It'd be interesting to know what those vows were that they made to God. They didn't even know who the true God was till this time. We see some others get converted right here. We look at verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Isn't that nice that God had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah? This was God's plan. What a historical account. A lot of people say there is no way someone could live three days and three nights inside of a whale. And uh, there was a man in 1891, James Bartley, who was swallowed by a whale and came out alive three days later. Go online sometime, type in the name James Bartley, 1891, and read his story of being in a whale for three days. Pretty crazy story, but he said it happened to him. And I don't need James Bartlett to tell me, Bartley to tell me that. I trust the Lord that if the Bible says it, then the Bible probably means it. What's interesting to me is Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then look at chapter 2, verse number 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Then. He didn't pray when he got to the fish's belly. He didn't pray the first night. He didn't pray day number two. He didn't even pray on day number three till the end of it. Then he prayed. Jonah was mad at God. He wanted nothing to do with Nineveh. 
And he's in the belly of this whale here, and he still doesn't even talk to God. It takes three days and three nights for him to get some sense. He, he was stubborn. He might have been more stubborn than me. Pretty close. I don't know. I hope I would have gotten the idea sooner. We'll skip some verses here, and we'll go back and look at them in a few minutes. But chapter number 3, I love this in verse number 1. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Aren't you glad that God just doesn't give up? Aren't you glad that God, he came to him the second time? Aren't you glad that God comes again? He doesn't give up. He keeps coming. And Jonah gets on dry ground. Now look at what it says in verse number 3. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. A three-day journey it should take to get to Nineveh. He did it in one. He ran the entire way to Nineveh. He preaches an eight-word message that we read earlier tonight. And the entire population of over 600,000 people. Let me repeat that. 600,000 people turn to God. Look at chapter number 4 for a second. Look at verse number 11. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein there are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand or their left hand, and also much cattle? Six score thousand. How many is that? There were 120,000 children under the age of four in the city of Nineveh. 120,000. What a city. The people get saved. Revival breaks out over eight words, and God does a great work. And Jonah gets angry. He goes outside the city and waits to see what will happen to these people, the people he hates, who had just become believers of God. God has a big gourd that comes up and gives him shade. The next day that gourd dies and Jonah basically gets heat stroke and he's ready to die and got angry at God's dealings in his life. Look at verse number 9 of chapter 4. And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which... Thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night, and perished in a day. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than 120,000 children? Jonah, you're more concerned about the gourd than you are of the eternal destiny of an entire city. The book of Jonah is filled with the mercy of God. I'm going to point out to you five places we see God's mercy in amazing ways in this book. And they are five places that we can see God's mercy in our lives as well. Number one tonight, we see God's mercy to call us. God's mercy to call us. Chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 
Have you forgotten the fact tonight that you and I have no business serving God or being used of God in our own goodness? Think about this tonight. He uses us in spite of us. He uses us in spite of us. It's His mercy that He uses sinful men, sinful, fallen, broken, and failing men like me and you for His eternal purposes. What a merciful God. Isn't that what Paul said to Timothy? And I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who hath enabled me, for He hath counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. You've got to understand something tonight. It's of the Lord's mercy that he uses us. Don't ever lose sight of that. God's mercy to call us. If God uses you, don't get puffed up about it in of yourself and start believing that you're something of yourself. It's not about you. It's not about me tonight. It's all about him. And God blesses and God uses our church. It's his mercy that that takes place. Number one, we see God's mercy to call us. Number two, we see God's mercy to chasten us. Wait a minute, Pastor. How do mercy and chastening go hand in hand? They do. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he received. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? You see, it was God's mercy that he prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah up. Say, Pastor, that's mercy? Yeah, that's mercy. We look at it here, and I want you to see here that God's mercy looked. You've got to understand something. God's mercy was evident. God's mercy in Jonah's life looked like the absolute worst possible outcome. The worst day, the worst experience, all of these things that he'd been through. But may I remind you tonight that God did this to get Noah, get Noah I said Noah, get Jonah to where he needed to be. Do you know there are tough times that we go through? And God brings those our way. We don't like to always look at that. And we don't like the way that that sounds. God prepared this fish to swallow Jonah. Could it be that the things that we go through today, that God is preparing us for something in the future? Do you think things our governor might say things that our world might be doing right now, that God is using this to get the church's attention to do the things of God? What does God have to do to get a hold of his people? You might look at your life and say, well, I don't understand why this is happening in my life. I don't think Jonah really understands why God called him to Nineveh. 
God, look at those people. Why would you have me go to them? And then I don't go and you punish me by having me go in this fish? It, it had to be no There was no picnic being inside of a whale for three days and three nights. Read about the man that Mr. Bartley that did. Read his story. That's got to be absolutely disgusting. The constant smell, dark, all these things. But something that's very interesting to me, look at chapter number 2. I'm not going to take much time in chapter number 2. But it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and he said, I cry by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep and in the midst of the sea, and the floods can pass me about, all thy billows and thy waves can pass over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward the holy temple. The waters can pass me about, even to the soul. The, de the depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head, and I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will for sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Did you know that Jonah quoted in his prayer to God at least 11 other verses in the Old Testament in his prayer? You can look in the book of Psalms and in other places. And Jonah knew the word of God very well. Think about this with me. He knew the Bible. At least 11 different texts of Old Testament scriptures were in Jonah's prayer. He prayed right here. But get this. Exposure to scriptural truth does not guarantee a godly life. We have to let the scriptural truth lead us to practical obedience. That is so important. Isn't it amazing that Jonah didn't pray to God when God asked him to go? He tried to flee. He didn't pray when the boat was going through that crazy storm. He didn't pray for three days and three nights. It took him that long to finally pray to the Lord. Sometimes God's mercy looks like darkness, discomfort, death, fear, uncertainty. But may I remind you something? If you face the chastening of the Lord, it is by His mercy and His love. And by the way, that is why and how when we're chastened, we are His children. He has that right to do it. With mercy and love for our correction, what does He do? He prepares us to do what he's called us to do. Number three, we see God's mercy to chase us. Say, so what do you mean by that? You look, look at verse 10 of chapter number two. And the Lord spake unto the fish. Oh, That's quite a conversation between the Lord and the fish. All right, whale, he's had enough. You know, send him out your spout. No, he didn't say that. 
Go ahead and throw them up. Anybody like throw up in the room? Anybody like throw up? Anybody like the smell of throw up? Can you imagine how whale throw up must smell like? And God didn't leave. It doesn't tell us here. Maybe God did. Maybe God gave him some extra grace here and left him a bar of soap and a shower, but I don't think so. He gets thrown up by the whale, and we see chapter 3, and the word of the Lord came again unto Jonah the second time. You see God's mercy, as we talk about, to chase him. God didn't give up on him. God didn't say, all right, Jonah, you didn't listen to me the first time. I'm done with you. No, God says, all right, fish, throw him up. I'm going in again, and I'm going to get him this time. I love the fact that God doesn't give up on his children. And one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible is these two verses right here. A man who's run as far as he could to get away from God, and God wasn't done. God didn't reject him. God didn't forget him. You see tonight, you mess up in your life. You still have eternal purpose. You disobey God, but he still loves you. He'll still use you and praise God for that. And God's chasing, God chasing us has happened all the way from the very beginning. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? They sinned. They didn't say, oh God, forgive us, we've messed up. Oh no, 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 no. They hide. But God comes. The Bible tells us, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God already knew what they had done. God knew that they had sinned. God knew they were hiding from him. God knew they didn't call out to God. No, God goes to them. says, hey, let me help you. Try to fix this problem yourself. Try to sew some fig leaves together. Here, let me give you some, some um, skins, some animal skins. I'll take care of you. I'll get you through. We don't see that Jonah gets spit up. And he says, okay, God, let's go. No, God says, okay, Jonah, I'm back. I still want to use you. And we see him call him the second time. What about Jesus when it came to Peter? Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll never do those things. John chapter 21, we know the fact that Peter did deny the Lord. John chapter 21 tells us that Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. Where did he go? He went back fishing. In that same chapter, the Bible says, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. And wasn't Jesus on the shore the first time he saw Peter? Say, Peter, did you catch anything? No, hey, why don't you throw your nets back out on the other side? And they caught a whole bunch of fish. The Lord said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follows the Lord for three years. He messes up, doesn't follow the Lord. I think Peter felt like giving up. Like, guys... I'm going back to fishing. He goes out. And who comes to the shore side? The Lord does. 
his mercy. What an awesome God we serve. The mercy of God is chasing us, pursuing us, calling us to himself. He loves you, and guess what tonight, church? He hasn't given up on you. If you get to a place when you don't want to speak his name anymore, he's still going to pursue you. If you get to the place where you don't want to be in his presence anymore, he'll still call you back to himself. If you get to a place where you no longer desire to go to his house, he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. God won't give up on you. Don't give up on yourself and don't give up on others. Number four, we see God's mercy to convert us. Look at chapter three there, verse number five. It says, And so the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even unto the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast nor Herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let every man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. God's mercy to convert us. God can save us. He can give us a new future. He can forgive us. He can redeem us. But it's only by his mercy. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of ourselves. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And wow, a whole city turned to God. Hey, a heathen leader turned to God. Hey, our governor could turn to God. He could. You, you should pray for him. He should be in your prayers every day. I mentioned it this morning. I don't have a beef with our governor. I'm not, I don't like decisions he makes, but you've got to understand something. Our battle's not with him. Our battle's against the devil. And I want you to understand something. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Isn't that what Proverbs 21 tells us? Man, I wonder what would happen if we as Christians would pray for our governor. Pray. Pray for him to seek God. That he would make wise, godly decisions. If you notice right now, most of his decisions are pushing God out of things. He needs to put God in things. We need to pray for him. We need to. We need to pray for our president. We need to pray for those that are in authority over us. And then we see this, number five, we see God's mercy is criticized. Yeah, Jonah criticizes the mercy of God. We saw there it displeased Jonah exceedingly, chapter 4, verse number 1, because he was very angry. 
And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? When I was yet in my country, therefore I fled before Natarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Now therefore, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and saw on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. Jonah says, I knew that if I went that you would be merciful to these people. That's why I didn't want to go. I knew what you would do. I just think that's so funny. He obeyed begrudgingly. He knew God's will and mercy, but he didn't want to accept it. May we learn from the example of Jonah. We serve a merciful God tonight. The story of Jonah is that we have a God who loves us in spite of who we are, who uses us in spite of us, and who would send a greater Jonah, his son, Jesus Christ, to bring redemption to every Ninevite, every lost, wicked, evil person in the world. The story of Jonah is that his mercy should change how we live for him and how we love others and share his mercy with them, even those that we don't like. We'll play the short video of the book of Jonah. I'll have a word of prayer. We'll be on our way tonight.